think of the ways that chaos has come against you and then go, wow, but the effect on me, what is it tending to do? And for most people, chaos is causing them to abandon or set aside or postpone their dreams, downgrade their hopes to um, to become some, you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, more chaotic themselves. So the very thing that they hate that's out there, the chaos, they find somehow I'm becoming more like that within me. So when you're fortunate enough to snag a great guest for a fun and meaningful interview, well, that's pretty cool. And when that guest actually comes back a second time, well, that's really cool. But a third time? Now that is shockingly cool. And that is the situation I present to you, my misfit friends. Because today, I have the pleasure to be, to be speaking with Alan Arnold from Wild at Heart Ministries for the third time. Crazy, right? So I'm just going to dispense with all the intros here because, hey, it's like your family now. And just get right to it. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you, man. It's, it's great to be back, and, and I think the third time is, like, the charm. Be the best. Right? <laughs> yes, that's what they say. It just keeps getting better and better. And even though I said you need no introduction, I do want to circle back, because I said wild at heart. And I know some people out there right now, are, they're correcting me, right? Because they think I can't hear them. Oh, I can hear them. Um, and they're saying, no, Nancy, it's ransomed heart. So tell me why. Why did I say wild at heart? You said wild at heart because... We realized at the ministry after a really long time that, man, it makes far more sense to go by a name that people readily understand, and millions have read the book Wild at Heart and come to our events, and so we made the decision earlier this year to shift from Ransomed Heart to Wild at Heart, and uh, it's been a really popular decision. We did it for clarity, and we did it because actually when we started the ministry, John had not written the book Wild at Heart yet. And so a lot of people say, well, why didn't you just name it that from the beginning? Well, there was no Wild at Heart book from the beginning. Ah. But once once that book became the rally cry, we realized, and, and by the way, the ministry still is for men and women. And so by naming it Wild at Heart, we're not limiting it to the men's message of the book Wild at Heart. Uh, because right. women want to be wild at heart, too. Yeah, I understand that women, yes, can in fact be wild at heart. I've read that somewhere. So that's that's been our name change, and uh, it makes it, I can't tell you how many times, even personally, I would have conversations where I'd tell people where I worked, and they wouldn't understand what I was saying with Ransomed Heart, and then they'd want me to spell it, and and they wouldn't still understand, and... So it's so much easier as a team, too, when you're talking to your neighbor or on the phone with somebody and they say, where do you work? And you say, wild at heart. They're like, I love that name. What does that mean? Uh, So it sparks curiosity, even if they haven't heard of it. Nice, nice. So now you know, people, if you didn't know before, um, yeah, wild at heart, it resonates. And like you said, it's easier, easier to spell, easier to, yeah, because I heard stories about, you know, you would get, Creative spellings uh, when people were trying to figure out what Ransom Heart was. But, um, hey, very exciting. Oh yeah, people thought we were Ransom Heat, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, ransom. And then they would say, they thought like, that the ED was med, so they thought we were a medical company. They thought we were Ranso Med. Um, yeah, or, yeah, heart, yeah, Rancid Heart, right? I think I heard that one. That's crazy. Yeah, so, all right, so there you go. So, um, new name, but same ministry, and same Alan, and you're here with us today, and we're here to, to, to talk about, you wrote a book, and oh boy, do I want to talk about it. I'm really excited about this book, but... Alan, you've been here long enough. You know, before we do, we got to do it. We got to do the stupid game. Let's do. Okay, he's up for it. See, he keeps coming back and he knows. All right, so this stupid game, I gave you a little heads up prior to this, so I think you know where this is going. So in our email correspondence, we uh, I don't know why or how this happened, but somehow Barry Manilow came up. I think it might have been my fault. And then Earth, Wind, and Fire came up, and I think that was your fault. So I thought, okay, we got to combine the two. It's got to, and I, I, the only thing I didn't come up with is, was a clever name for our stupid game. So it's just... Earth, Wind, and Fire meets Barry Manilow. Are you ready? Wow. I've never heard those words together before. But yeah. Well, now you have. It's, today's the day. All right. So here's just four, just four simple questions. All right. So the first one is a fill in the lyrical blank. So I'll give you, so some of these questions might be all Earth, Wind, and Fire, or some might be all Manilow, or some might combine the two. That's how tricky it is. So that's your job to decide. So. First question, fill in the lyrical blank. I'm just going to give you the first two words. Do you dot, dot, dot. Remember. Remember what? The 21st night of September. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> How could you forget? So, all right. <laughs> I almost had that tattooed on my right arm. No, I really didn't. But that song... <laughs> I like love. It's one of my favorites. It is. And actually, it's it's near and dear to my heart because the 21st night is what we in my house call birthday eve because my husband was born on the 22nd of September. So it's like it's like Christmas Eve, only Earth, Wind, and Fire version. Awesome. Carol, sort of. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so And there's a bonus. There, there is a Manilow lyric that has those same do that same question poses yeah the same question posed do you dot 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 remember the time in new england you know that was a really good guess um and i'll have to go back and check but i think that's wrong so um it's actually let me see if i can remember it uh, yeah <laughs> um do you love him do you love him as much as i love her of course that would be the uh, classic looks like we made it and i thought i i thought i had that one yeah well y you remembered New England. About, but he does sing about time in New England. That's, this is true. He does. So I'm going to give you credit for that one. Okay, moving right along. Okay, question number two. When you feel down and out, according to Earth, Wind, and Fire, what should you do? Sing a song. Yes, you should. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, you're remembering the... Songs, but their songs. There's only their songs, yes. I think that's part of their uh, contract writer. You can only sing Earth, Wind, and Fire songs when you feel down and out. Okay, very, very good. All right, question number three. Another, what should you do? You came along just like a song and did what? Took me away. Oh, it rhymes. It rhymes. I'll give you a hint. It's Manilow. 
Well, I know it's Manilow because yeah. that would not be an Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> um, you came but, along just like a song and did something to my day. Brighten my day. Brighten my day. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. See, you know you're Barry Manilow. Okay. I'm just waiting. You know, I, I know some Barry Manilow, but I'm just waiting for you to throw a Copacabana line at me. <laughs> What possibly could make you think I would do that? Um, <laughs> so we're only doing his greatest hits because you know he he had a lot of other songs, and I guess you had yep. to be you'd have to be a real fan of Lowe to know all of them. Did you just say fan of Lowe? Uh, oh, of course I did. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I'd like to say I coined it, but I'm certain that I didn't. But it is fun to say. All right, so all right, here's um, our final question. Although I have a bonus after that. So question number four. Both artists have a song that reference dancing. I will give you credit for either one. Well, yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire has two, actually, that reference mm-hmm. dancing. So there's Boogie Wonderland. Yep. And, and you wonder, how could they possibly top that? But then, well, they really couldn't. A few years later, they had Let's Groove. You're right. Let's groove tonight. Does it? I, so obviously, dancing is implied. Is the word dance in that song? Because grooving is dancing. Let's face it. Well, you know, all of the songs from the '60s and '70s and '80s that talk about dancing, I found out later they really were talking about something else. <laughs> Moving so, right along. <laughs> I'm going to just assume "Let's okay. Groove Tonight" is a dancing song from Earth, okay. Wind, and Fire. Yes, because. Grooving is dancing, at least on the Isle of Misfits, for these purposes. Okay, so very good. All right, so how about uh, Manilow? Um, well, Copacabana. Of course. Lola That's dances, right. yes, but they're, they're so... Okay, I'm gonna, I'll give you the lyric, and you tell me if you can name the song, and I bet you, I bet you, you can. Dancing okay. in the Streets. I'll That's sing it if I have to. Yeah, well, it's part of the lyrics. It's not the name of the song. I'll sing it if I must. I, I, I'm gonna. I think even if you didn't have to, I think I'm gonna tell you. I need you to sing it. Okay. <laughs> and they'll be dancing in the streets. Yeah. Um, it's a. Mm-mm-mm. So. <laughs> a true blue spectacle. <laughs> yeah, I know the song. Begins with them. The title. Yeah. I keep thinking back to the. Didn't Van Halen have a song it's, of dancing in the streets? Oh yes, and yeah, and some '60s it's a girl really, it's like and a yeah, it's blurring. Yes, dancing in the Halen. streets. You're right. You're right. Okay, so yeah, uh, it was. Um, it's a miracle, a true blue spectacle. There you go. I knew you knew it. I just faked. You. Yes, I I threw you, you off. Actually, yeah. see that video of it's a miracle. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, that's what started this whole thing. I know. I know, and I'm and I'm sorry. Not sorry. I should have known. I, yeah, that I, that I should have known that one. <laughs> okay, well that's all right. I you got you got the Earth, Wind, and Fire. In fact, you got two references, so that cancels out the Barry one. So all right, I said four, but I also said a bonus. So here's your bonus. So this one, there's no wrong answer. This is just up to your Alan Arnold creativity. If you were going to do a mashup of a Barry Manilow and an Earth, Wind, and Fire song, what two songs would you choose? I've already chosen mine, so I'm just saying. Wow. Um, I think I would do... Now, see, I don't know if your if you're, uh, awesome listeners know that much Earth, Wind, and Fire, so I don't know how deep I can go in, in the The catalog. cool ones do, Alan. The cool but, ones do. Um, I think I would do... Um, well, I mean, with Barry Manilow, the, the, 
the cheese factor is at an all-time high, I think, on Copacabana. And so I've got to go with Copacabana because it's just okay. Okay. It's one okay. of those songs you wonder, did the world really need it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got a bop. Once he As, sang it, yeah. you, couldn't, you can't get it out of your head. Exactly. And so it kind of took on a life of its own, and mm-hmm, it's still mm-hmm. living some, somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. So right I now. I would say Copacabana mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Boogie Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a mashup of those two songs. I'm going to take a screenshot so you'll believe me, because those are exactly the two songs that I chose. <laughs> well, yeah, it just it just makes sense. They both got the bop, right? Right? Dance boogie wonderland at the Copa. Copa. Exactly. Yes, you can't go wrong. The height of the disco movement. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, listen, when I saw, I saw Earth, Wind & Fire, the original group, They've kind of mixed their people up now. But the original Earth, Wind & Fire, when they were at the height of their popularity in the early 80s, late 70s, I saw them in concert, and I'll never forget the way, you know, different artists come out in different ways when they have a concert. But Earth, Wind & Fire, they had the galaxy in, like, neon paint, so these huge planets up in the air above the stage, Saturn and Venus and Mars, and they were spinning and larger than life. And and all of a sudden, when the concert started, the planets opened up, and a member of the band was in each of the planets. Oh and then gosh. they they flew down from the planet to the stage. And like that had to be the coolest opening to a live concert I ever saw. That is, that is spectacular. <laughs> That's got to be on video somewhere. Well, he sits at a piano. He's okay, but... Earth, Wind, and Fire came out of planets, so I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold to them as the winner in the battle of the bands here. All right, and and you know what? I I believe you. I whoops. Uh oh. I was pulling up something on YouTube actually because I'm going to send you something. Um, in fact, I think I'm going to post it when I post our podcast. I don't know if you've seen this, but there is an amazing mashup. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire and Fleetwood Mac, and that's all I'm going to say. I've not seen that. It is yeah, amazing. I'm, okay, I'm in for that. All right, all right. So, congratulations. You did a great job. You already have a mug, so I'm not sure what to send you. Um, send me a um, greatest hits album of Barry Manilow. Not not a not a DVD <laughs> or not a CD, but and certainly not just a digital copy. But like, send me an album, like the vinyl. Okay, I will scour every record store, and that'll be on its way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. in my spare time. I'll do it. I'll do it. Game on. Okay, now for the real reason that you're here, although I think that was pretty legit in and of itself. But let's move on. So I, I want to talk about your book, and I don't think that I've even named your book yet, so maybe we should start there. The name of the book is Chaos Can't, which I think is an intriguing title. Um, so we'll talk about that. But um, here's my first question. Actually, it's... Not even a question, but it's it's the first thing I want to talk about because, oh, it's such an overused phrase, but everyone's saying it these days. Say it with me. The new normal. Okay, don't say it because we're all sick of that word or that phrase. Um, but you have a quote, and this this is the launching point that I want to launch with. He never wants to accept the chaos of our new normal. Who is he, and why doesn't he want to accept it? Well, I think, yes, that's a great way to begin, because who is he 
uh, I would say he is God. And uh, let me say it in two different ways for the listener. One is God does not want us to accept the new normal if new normal means chaos. And, and so God does not want that. The enemy wants us to re, realign our life to seeing chaos as a normal part of our world. And it's something that, that we just need to submit to and something that we need to cower under. And so we're going to go into this, I'm sure, in the conversation, but you've got this, this ongoing choice where God, the creator of the universe and of us, is saying, no, we don't have to have chaos in our life. We don't have to, even though there's chaos in the world, we don't have to be chaotic beings, and we're never designed to. And you've got the enemy who is saying, get used to it, because chaos now is your new normal. And I think that's, that's the battleground for our heart right there. Right. And okay, you say we don't have to. And great. That's that's really great news. But let's not let's not um, depart from there too quickly, because although that's really great news, it's kind of like I've probably used this analogy with you before. I know I've used it before in the show Um, when I was in grade school in math class. Anytime you wanted to, you could go to the end of the book and get your answer. There it was which is great, but it didn't help me to know how to get there. So, um, yeah, so we don't have to. Why? I, I, what do you mean by that? Of course, that's great that we don't have to, but it kind of almost feels like we're obligated. Well, it does, and I think that's because all of our past, I would say, attempts at chaos, at responding to it, at navigating it, don't tend to work very well. And so I think... As, as, you know, humans, we intuitively know we don't want to live in a state of chaos, but we haven't really found effective ways to deal with that. And so then when we get to Scripture that talks about how we're not to have fear or, um, you know, we don't be anxious for nothing or, you know, my yoke is easy, um, we look at those and we go, okay, that must be true but my life does not reflect that on any given Monday. On any given day, I don't feel like I can attain those things or step into those things in a real way that changes the chaos around me or within me. And so I think part of it, Nancy, today what I'd like to to go into in our conversation with you is, is first just for the listener to go, okay, there is a possibility, accept the possibility that you could actually be chaos-free in a world of chaos. And let's start there just with the hope that that could be true, because it is. Mm. But, but we'll, we'll take you into it a step at a time and talk about what's really going on. But there is that hope that I want to give you here at the beginning. Right. And also, um, just, you know, anytime we're going to talk about chaos, I think it's helpful to have a definition at hand. Um, yeah. And so as I looked at kind of the existing definitions out there, if you go into the dictionary, you know, one of the main definitions of chaos is a state of utter confusion or disorder. Mm-hmm. And while that's true, 
I think, in and of itself, as far as it goes, it's not it's not really adequate because yeah. I think for most of us, you know, you go, well, yeah, that's that's true, but that's kind of like saying uh, an earthquake is something that's disruptive, right. and you go, well, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a lot. It's a lot yeah. more than that. Yeah, and so it's a little bump in the road. Right, and I mean that definition, as I say in my book, like um, that would have applied to any of my high school math class that I was in. I mean, I had a state of utter confusion. I was terrible at math, and I was utterly confused for four years in high school, but I wasn't in a state of chaos. And so there has to be a bigger definition than that. And so I wrote my own, and what I wanted to share is, so when we talk about chaos, here's what I mean. Chaos is a destructive, fear-based force that prevents you from fully living. And the ways it comes against us, large and small, are often intensely personal strikes meant to leave us empty. And I think that's an important second sentence to it because what I found the more I researched and looked into chaos is, yep, there are some big generic ways chaos hits. A pandemic would be an example of that, or an earthquake, or a hurricane are all chaotic, but most of the time, the ways it comes against us are, interestingly, really personal ways. And it's it's ways that are meant to take us out, and the ways it comes against you, Nancy, or, um, you know, me, or my neighbor, or a coworker, are really different, and not just different, but very personal, and so that started me to say, wow, if, if, if something is coming against me in a personal way that's meant to take me out, then I need to understand chaos better, not out of a fascination with chaos, like a fascination with you know, a favorite band or something like we were talking about earlier, but a fascination of I want to understand this so I can counter it. Mm-hmm. And, and that started my journey into what's really going on with chaos. Right, right, yeah. Understanding, like you said, so that you can know what you're up against, know your enemy, so to speak, but um, not just from a defensive position, right, but from a proactive, offensive position. Because, you know, you talked about how it it's personal, right? And that's that's the power of it. It's not just like, oh, the world is a crazy place. Well, that's that's one thing. It's one thing to say that. But then it's like, well, no, my world is, it's not just crazy, but you talked about it being empty. And it also leads to, you know, the whole idea of being discouraged, right? Discouragement. It takes away our courage. It demoralizes us. It leaves us depleted. Correct. At least, yeah, right. And, and so you look at the impact of chaos. And most people, as I talk to them about, are you feeling the same thing I am? Are you experiencing chaos in this way? Um, and and it was it was almost irregardless of kind of the world event. And so, uh, it, you know, 2020 has been a traumatic, chaotic, disruptive year pretty much for everyone. Right. And so you can take away the exact, you know, what is it in the news today and just say in general this year here we are you know as we're recording this nearing the end of the year but in this year think of the ways that chaos has come against you and then 
go, wow, but the effect on me, what is it tending to do? And for most people, chaos is causing them to abandon or set aside or postpone their dreams, downgrade their hopes to um, to become some, you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, more chaotic themselves. So the very thing that they hate that's out there, the chaos, they find somehow I'm becoming more like that within me. And so it's no longer just what's out there, it's what's in me. And so those are the things I started seeing with people. And when I would talk to them, they'd say, how did you know? Or, wow, like I haven't understood how to really talk to somebody about this. I just feel like I want to shut down or curl up in a ball and, you know, kind of hope it all goes away like a bad dream. But I wake up and that certainly wasn't the antidote because chaos is still right there. And so that's where, you know, it it kind of feels like, well, what are we to do? Because if it's affecting everybody and the things we try to do to either, you know, wait it out, to um, rationalize it, say it's the new normal, this just must be the new normal. Um, So I guess we just have to get used to this and kind of deal with it. That right. doesn't work either. Right, because there's um, a resignation in that. It's like, oh, I give right. up. Yeah. I, right, I give up, um, or I'm going to wait it out. Or, so, you know, some people have said, you know, well, hopefully if I don't stir up any more chaos, maybe it'll leave me alone if I just don't pick a fight with it. Um, that mm-hmm. doesn't work. Chaos is not a gentleman, um, you know, or a respecter of that. And... It doesn't work on the far other end. If you say, all right, chaos is coming at me, I'll come against it with even more fury. Right, fight fire with fire, so to speak. Right, and we never, as I say in the book, we, like you never defeat chaos by becoming more like it. Mm-hmm. It's never a win to try to conquer chaos by becoming more chaotic yourself. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, and you know, so I think... Wins. You know, that response is, it's a control response, right? If I'm feeling out of control by chaos, then maybe I'm going to resolve that or rectify that by, well, I'm going to be in control and I'm going to cause chaos and you're not going to get the best of me. And that seems like a power solution. And yet, maybe not so right. much. Right. It, it doesn't work. And it doesn't work whether, whether that's as a parent, uh, you know, with our children nor does it work in traffic, uh, you know, the car that cuts you off, nor does it work on social media. Like, it, it doesn't work in any scenario because before you've even finished whatever you're doing from that state, all you have done is accelerated the chaos out there by becoming more like it. Right, and it backfires. So, so all right, you talk about a journey And one of the first stages of this journey is what you call initiation. So maybe maybe that's where we should go next. Let's talk about initiation. Right. I think, you know, if we look at our favorite movies or TV shows, they all follow the template that storytellers would refer to as the hero's journey. And the hero's journey is basically... If you go online, if you're not familiar with it, you'll you'll see a lot of images, and they're usually in a circle, and it's a person at the top, 
and that person is making a journey and and the journey is what changes them and so sometimes it's going on a trip uh you know lord of the rings would be an example of that nornia would be examples of that uh star wars where they are invited into a larger story usually at a point where they reach uh a question that they can't answer or a mystery they don't understand and they start and along the way early on they find a sage and they need that sage because they need somebody who has more answers than them and so a sage would be an example would be obi-wan kenobi or gandalf or aslan you know in the various stories yes sir mr miyagi right right mr miyagi exactly in karate kid And, and you and you see these in stories because that represents a lens into our own life. And so, in a sense, in the book, what I wanted to invite readers on was a hero's journey into understanding how to overcome chaos. And when I did that, as I say in the book, like, I'm not the hero of the journey that, you know, in, in the sense of what I'm trying to do, uh, it's interesting because both the hero of the journey and the sage of the journey is God. And so we get to come alongside God in a journey to say, okay, Father, we're starting off on an adventure, and the adventure is one that you want us to overcome and and to make it through. And that adventure or journey is overcoming chaos. And so that's the journey, kind of the hero's journey of the book that we get invited to. And the goal is when we end on the last page, we're a different person from having taken that journey, that we see life differently, that we respond to chaos differently, that we uh, see ourselves differently. And and as you mentioned earlier, Nancy, we quit playing defense and we start playing offense. Because here here's the thing, like, Jesus told us very clearly early on in his ministry, in this world, you will have trouble. Right. And I really believe it's 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 not uh, you know theological gymnastics to take the word trouble and replace it with chaos and be true to what he was saying. In this world, we will have chaos, so we need to quit being surprised by it. We need to quit being shocked when chaos comes at us, because when we're surprised and shocked, it, what it's saying is we kind of expect every day to be normal and easy. Right. And yeah. go like it's supposed to go. Yeah. And then yeah. when something disrupts us or it the day, we're shocked and we're playing defense. And even that alone, that insight alone, is huge to go. In this world, you're you're going to have chaos. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't make you chaotic, but you don't need to be shocked and caught off guard every time chaos comes at you because Jesus has given us the heads up it will. Oh, yeah. yeah. If it will, it's how do we respond? Yes, yeah. So I, I actually underlined that when I got to it, and I highlighted it in my little notebook. You know, um, so we used to have these uh, dogs next door. Our neighbor had four Jack Russell Terriers. Okay, and um, maybe I've told you the story because who knows? I only have so many stories. But, you know, we would go out in our yard, and every single time we lived there 10 years, mind you, 10 years, we'd go out in our yard. They're surprised to see us again. It was like, you know, it's like, no, still us, still us. 
10 years later. They were, you know, and that's what I think of when I hear it because how often do I do that? It's like, oh, trouble. Oh, imperfection. Oh, yeah, things not going my way. Shocker. And, and yet, why are we shocked? Why? Just like you said, Jesus told us, hey, this is going to happen. And I don't think he told us that to say, well, go hide your heads under the sand. It was, no, he always prepared, right? He prepared them and us ahead of time so that we could overcome. Exactly. Exactly. And, and he tells us why, you know, after he says this in John sixteen thirty three, he goes on to say, and it's the same verse even, it's not even another verse. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And so this whole theme of overcoming chaos, I mean, he's telling us, yep, you're going to have it, but don't let your heart be shaken because I have overcome the chaos. I've overcome more than the chaos. I've overcome the world. And so, like, he's giving us information there that is not just interesting, it's life-saving. And I think we have to learn how to then step into it and how to, how to take that on as a promise that we're actually living from, but to go, okay, like, this is not a, a positive motivational speaker who is just saying, hey, don't let things get to you. Right, or, right. Don't okay. worry, be happy. Yeah. Right, just be happy. <laughs> Yeah. Come on, be happy. Um, he, you know, he's saying, I'm telling you this from somebody that has overcome the whole world. Yeah. So I know what's possible, and I know what can be overcome, and chaos can be overcome. So take heart. Like, don't let your heart tank when something comes against you that feels overwhelming. And so that's, that's the journey that we're on now is, well, but to do that, what like what is chaos, and and how have you overcome it, and how can I overcome it? You know, right. because those are big questions, and you can't if you if just reading that verse was enough, that would be beautiful. But you mentioned the word initiation earlier, right? Yes, God brings us on a journey of initiation, and initiation isn't simply let me tell you a truth. And now you graduate. And now you go out there, yes. You graduate. That's that's not initiation. You know, anybody that's gone through uh, some some huge accomplishment, whether it's college or whether it's, you know, becoming a Marine or whether it's mastering, you know, some skill, playing the guitar or you name it. Well, all of those take initiation. You don't simply listen to somebody play a few chords on the guitar and then get handed a guitar and go, got it. Uh, Now I I have your ability. You have to earn it in the sense of not earn it in performance, meaning it's all up to you by just doing more, but you have to step into the process and you have to allow yourself in humility to go through mistakes and to bump your head against the wall and to wander and to to realize, wow, that's why this is true. That's why this doesn't work. That's why this does work. This is what makes me stronger. When I don't do this, this is the price I pay. Like that's the initiation that makes transformation. 
And right. if we want to be transformed, we have to be initiated. And if we want to be initiated, we have to purposely set out on that journey. We don't just accidentally get it in the Starbucks drive through And so it's a purposeful journey that we have to take. And that's, that's what I try to do in Chaos Can't, is take people on a purposeful journey of let's figure out what chaos is, really what it is, not just that we feel chaotic at times, and let's see how God responds to chaos, and let's see what Jesus says. And, and the last book I wrote was mostly an allegory, and it, was, it had fantastical elements in it, larger than life, you know, fantastical elements in it. But in this book, it's, it's pretty much 98% teaching with an allegory that just opens this, the book. But I, as I did that, I thought, you know, interestingly, this is more fantastical than any Alice in Wonderland type story, because the journey we go on in this book takes us back before time began and, and into creation and into some really trippy, wild ways of seeing what's going on. And so it felt in many ways more fantastical than an allegory would. Right, yeah, and you know, for me, um, extremely helpful um, because like like you said, you, you start off, you do have like this allegorical story about a girl named Elena in a cave and um, I won't give that away, but uh, it, it's kind of the pivotal, the, the pivoting point for the rest of of what you say is teaching, but for me, it was so personal. It was a personal journey, so maybe it wasn't mythical, but it was most 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 definitely a journey, and it left so much space to to hear God. You know, you um, you gave a lot of scripture, but it wasn't just like, well, here's just here's just some scripture out of you know, just take this verse, this verse, this verse, and go to bed and call me in the morning. It was it was it was all about context and interpretation and and bringing our questions to God. You know, you you brought up a um, Hen- Henry Nouwen quote, right? That answers before questions do more harm than good, and. Uh, I was thinking about that as you were, you know, just talking about this process that we have to go through because you brought up um, Zorro, right? The mentor, Zorro's mentor, like admonishing him that, okay, if you go out to the battle now, you'll fight hard, sure, but you're going to die because sometimes we think, okay, well, I got it. I'm going to go and here I go. But God's not interested in the results as much as he is interested in the process, which is not to say, you know, the result is, hey, the joy set before him is us in union with him. That's the result. But it's not about, okay, I got it and we're good. And if, if that were true, then we could do it all without him, right? We would just work the system and 12 steps and we're done. But that's not the journey God has for us. Right, right. And it's, I think, you know, we, here's the thing, we don't, sometimes we want easy relief or, or we want, you know, answers that quickly provide a way out of whatever we're facing. And I think the reality is God wants us, he honors us by raising us up as sons and daughters in a way like, you know, I, I do use the Zorro movie, um, The Mask of Zorro in my book is a way to show how God trains us or grows us into mature sons and daughters. 
And part of how he does that is saying, I'm not just going to zap an answer and make life easy. I'm going to show you how you can step in and change the atmosphere around you into beauty and life and order from the chaos. And I think that, you know, when you consider the ways it could happen, it's such a beautiful invitation. But it is an invitation that is initiation. And, and so we get to step into these deeper levels of going, if I understand what's really going on, then not letting chaos in is certainly the first step. Because if we let chaos in us, we can't do very much at all from a state of being chaotic. It's hard to breathe life into anything when the breath that's coming out of us has chaos in it. But once we can get through that and go, okay, I don't have to let chaos in, no matter what's going on around me, Jesus never became more chaotic. But he was in chaos throughout his entire ministry. Chaos was around him and opposed to him his entire ministry. And so to be able to go, if Jesus is showing us in one sense, how to navigate chaos in a world of trouble, then there's more than just not letting it in. There's also then our ability in kind of a phase two or a deeper level to change in our realm, in our family, in our business, in our home, in our creativity. We can change the world around us by coming against the chaos and bringing beauty, life, and order. And yeah, yeah, I think that's the that's the deeper invitation. Is you don't just have to not become more chaotic, not let it in, but you actually can become for good an agent of change, an agent who can change wherever you go and whatever you do. You can change where there's chaos, and actually not not just bring anger or fear or offense when you find it, but actually change it for good, which is how God has been. I mean, that's God's approach to chaos from the very beginning. When we see him move against chaos, it's always turning what was meant for evil or bad into good. And now he says, come on and join me in this. You get to be a part of this as well. Yeah, and that's the whole point, and that's the turning point. And so I'm glad, I'm glad we're here. So we're turning a corner now. So this this whole idea is not just anti chaos. Well, okay, we anybody can be anti anything. Well, I'm against this, and I don't want that. And you know, let's, you know, we, we try to avoid pain. But it's one thing to avoid pain. It's an entirely different thing, as you say, to be an agent of beauty to be an agent of restoration you know it just it makes me think of the, the old get smart show remember there was chaos the agents of chaos that was like their organization right. to disrupt yeah yeah right. but we yeah but we have a higher calling to be agents of beauty and creativity and restoration so let's let's talk at least a few minutes about that because that's the good news of all this right and and so we have a way to do that but it doesn't come cost-free or pain-free or immediately. And so to go back into the initiation, like I'm a big fan of the movie The Mask of Zorro, and in that, for people who have seen it, and if you haven't seen it, man, 
right after you listen to the greatest hits of Earth, Wind, and Fire, I think you should watch The Mask of Zorro. And when you watch it, you'll see that there's early on in the story, the older Zorro, Anthony Hopkins plays that character, he starts to mentor this younger man who, as we said, was about to fight bravely and die quickly, and he stops him from getting into a fight that would take his life and says, you know, if you want to really win, basically you have to come with me and I will mentor or father you. And he takes him into this uh, training place, kind of hidden away in a cave called the Master's Circle. And the Master's Circle, or I'm sorry, the Master's Will. And the Master's Will is this amazing, you know, part of the movie where the younger Zorro finds his identity. He gets trained in ways that he doesn't even understand how to begin. He just knows he wants to have victory. And so the book takes us into, if we want to change the atmosphere around us, there is a process for how first to change ourselves, to to change what's within us before we try to change what's around us. And so, Nancy, that starts with, there's 11 levels that I take people on. And in the movie, it starts on the outer circle and goes inward. But in the book, I start with the center of the circle, which is really what I call with. And it's all about intimacy with God. And so we have to start there. Yes, yes, yes. We want to change the world or we want to change things that we see around us that we know is not how God intended there to be order or life or beauty, well, it always starts with us. And so it's a very inner beginning to the journey. And then each level of the circle, as we go a little further out, a little further out, before we get to the last level, which is the world around us, we've gone through a transforming experience. And and what we've found is not only how to not let chaos in, but then, okay, how can our gifting the very things we love to do, and and I, you've heard me say this before, but I believe all of us are creative. So when I talk about creatives, I don't mean a subset of the population. I mean everybody. Mm-hmm. Just yep. like I would say sons and daughters of God, I mean all of us. I don't mean a small percentage. And when I say creatives, I believe that's all of us, because even if we don't know our creativity, or even if we don't believe we are creative, how could we not be as sons and daughters of the Creator who have His DNA in us? And so what, what the book goes into is, what are the very things you love to do? What are the things that you are uniquely gifted to do? And now, let's look at those through a new lens. Not just a lens of, yeah, this is something I've always been drawn to or been interested in or, or, or been good at that I enjoy but to say, what if those very gifts are part of the way that God counters chaos in our world is through our creativity and our gifting is what brings sparks of life and hope and beauty. And so the book is an invitation to not only understand chaos more, what, what is chaos really, and now how do we not let it in, But now let's go further down the rabbit hole. Let's go to our deeper calling, which is now we can actually come alongside God and we can bring 
the world to a place that's better than when we started because of who we are and what we do when we know how to wield i call it in the in the book weapons of light and when we understand how to wield our weapons of light our gifting our creativity that's god given boy that starts to change everything around us and so it's a real invitation into a different way to live and it also helps us understand why does chaos seem so intent on moving against the creator and creation and god-given creativity well now we know why it feels personal by the end of the journey because right chaos it is it it is and it understands i think chaos understands the power and the enemy understands the power that we have to actually make it blink to actually change it and so a lot of the strikes in our life from chaos are preemptive strikes meant to take us out so we never ever have a chance to step up to the plate and make a difference in the world and so if an author you know, has a book and says, yeah, I've got, I've got this great story. I think it would bring a lot of hope to people, but I just can't focus on it in these chaotic times. I can't. I sit down. I have nothing to write. Um, I'm just going to wait until things calm down. Well, that's the exact thing that the enemy wants because right. he's actually then stopped that individual from co-creating something of beauty in life during the chaos. And so the very thing that could counter the chaos gets snuffed out before it begins. And so that's why I want listeners to to understand the very things that are making you now feel heavy-hearted, hopeless, um, that it's just, you know, the best you can do is just kind of get through the day. Well, I understand that. I understand that feeling. I, I used to have that feeling. But it's actually the very worst thing to do is just to set that as your new normal because mm-hmm. you have a chance to, to play a far greater role in this hero's journey we're on and the story we're on but we have to step into it first and we have to understand what's really at stake and what's really going on and you know i know in our talk right now we've kind of just barely scratched the surface but the the book goes into the likely origin of chaos which for me was pretty mind-blowing. I'd never... Oh, it's powerful, yeah. And so, you know, that's something that listeners can, can dive into if they want to, but when you start to, to really follow the trail of where did chaos come from? Because it's not eternal. Only God is eternal. So chaos had a beginning, but what is that beginning? Because it's been around for a long time. It's affected our parents, our grandparents, you know, all the way back to Adam and Eve and before them. And so um, that's where I think the book gets really fantastical, but in trueness and in a way that helps us go, oh, okay, well, this is what's going on, and my eyes are open to it, now I'm going to approach it in a really different way. Yes, yes, because, you know, this is, it's like this weird irony, but... Part of our misery and part of what makes us a target for chaos, right, is that it it, it attacks our, our inward being. So it makes us focus inwardly and and it keeps us from knowing the glory that God put in us and the things that we have to offer. So in a sense, it makes it all about us. 
but part of the freedom, in fact, the key to the freedom is realizing, you know, yeah, this is personal and we do have a glory, but hey, this it's bad news, but it's really good news. It's not all about us. It didn't start with us and it's certainly not all about us even when we're free from it. And there's just, there's so much to say about that. You know, those 11 steps that you talk about, each one of those 11 steps is worth spending time with because each one spurs conversation with our creator. And, you know, to just go back to just this whole idea of keeping chaos out, we are called, God has called us to not just keep chaos from getting in, but for his glory to come out of each one of us. And that really is the takeaway. I want to I want to quote, um, this is, uh, maybe we'll land on this quote from your book. You said, once we are awakened and set free, we can't help but join God in offering light and life to others. And that's the end result because the glory that he's put in us, the, the talents, the creativity, it's a gift for us, but it's not for us. It's for others it's for him and that's when we find our true purpose that's when we find our true joy right exactly and when we start understanding like it's like anything once you start to understand a true interpretation of what's going on and and god's heart for us and how the enemy wields chaos as a weapon against us and you start to see this larger story nancy then you can go but not only do I not have to be reactive and defensive, I've got a huge role to play in this. And it's, it's a far bigger story than I realized. Far more is going on than I realized. And now I can step into that with unique gifting and talent and not just, and the goal is not at all anymore just not to be chaotic. Like, yes, that's important. But, man, far more than that, you get to help others be free from the chains of chaos and the bondage of chaos and, and, the, and the trauma of chaos. And so we get to bring beauty in places that desperately need it, and this world <laughs> desperately needs it right now. And so it's, a, it's an invitation that does take our eyes off ourselves and back on God instead of on the chaos, but it's so much more than that. Like, it, that's just the beginning and so if, if this was, you know, a mini-series we were watching, this would be, we'd be at the end of episode three of a 12-part series. Exactly. You know, all that's possible. And so I hope listeners will dive into the message. I hope that they will believe it's possible to overcome chaos, because here's what chaos can't do. Chaos can't ultimately win. Chaos can't ultimately steal our dreams. Chaos can't have the last word. And, and we have a role to play in making that true. And God allows that. He doesn't just do it all himself. He says, now you come alongside me and follow me into this. And that's, I guess, where I'd love to leave the listeners is that's what God is inviting you to do, is come alongside him in the best adventure you'll ever live. And you can do that and need to do that right now in the midst of the chaos. That's, the invitation isn't wait until it's gone. It will never be gone. But the invitation is step into this crazy, shaken world with God and bring beauty into it. And, and I can't think of a better invitation to be part of. 
right now. We don't have to wait. That's the best part about it. That's what a great place to land right here, right now. We can begin this journey. Chaos can't. Thank you so much, Alan. What a great conversation. Um, and I know people are going to want to find you if they don't already know how to find you, obviously, uh, with Wild at Heart. But I know you have your own website. So t- tell us how people can find you. Yeah, the best way people can, if they, well, here's what I would say. If you want to find me, I'll give you my website information. But what I most would invite you to do is read the books because the books yeah. are really, if I had a chance to meet with each listener one-on-one over lunch for an hour, the content of the books is what I would want the content of the conversation to be on. And so you can find Chaos Cant and the book before that, The Story of Wit, which is a book about stepping into a life of greater intimacy with God and the things you love to do. Both of those are on Amazon, and you can find those there. And if you want to find out more about I coach people, I speak uh, on creativity, I, I talk to them about the topics we've been talking about in group settings, on Zoom calls, individually, and they can find that out at withallen.com, W-I-T-H-A-L-L-E-N.com. They can find out more. Plus, there's some videos there they can watch and podcasts they can listen to. All of those are free, and they just take us um, deeper into these themes and ideas. Got it. Okay, so books on Amazon and then all of the other wonderful endeavors that Alan's involved with at withallen.com, right? Dot com. Correct. Well, Alan, thanks again so much. And, uh, hey, that Barry Manilow album, it's its on its way, even as we speak. I just feel it deep inside. That's incredible, so. man. That's <laughs> able to do that during the podcast. So. Oh, you know, multitasker. No, I'm just speaking it in faith, brother. So, um, But thanks so much for joining us. It was really a pleasure. Thank you, Nancy. I loved it. All right. God bless. Bye. So, really, I think we may have just solved all the problems. You're welcome. Okay, seriously though, I loved this conversation and I really loved Alan's book, Chaos Can't. And I think if you have any kind of chaos going on in your life, you're going to love it too. So don't forget, you can find it on Amazon and you can find Alan at withallen.com. That's with A-L-L-E-N.com. And you can find me at isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com. Oh, and guess what else? In addition to iTunes, you can now find this podcast on Spotify. Woohoo! So spread the word to all the misfits and let's keep spreading the good news of owning your awkward, loving your fellow misfit, and seeking beauty and truth everywhere.